Brother Matt been speaking in a, uh, well, it's a retreat uh, this past weekend, and uh, there's a group from, I think he said Savannah, Tennessee, up in Kentucky, and uh, he didn't get in to very late last night, and he asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would fill in. Uh, at the time, didn't think you'd uh, just stay up there overnight and uh, come back this afternoon, but uh, so everything's pre prepared and planned, and uh, I'm just happy to have this opportunity take a, another week off uh, or one week off from a great series of lessons from 1 John. Matt, they've been awesome. And we appreciate your great lessons there and um, be about finished up next week, won't we, uh, as we uh, continue that series of studies. So we're going to take a little break from that this morning and look at something from Acts chapter 8. As we know the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, which is something that uh, we all should know, a story we all should know, but if you don't know this story, you need to know it. And we're going to look at some lessons that we can glean from it this morning. So I'd like to read from that. Acts chapter 8, and the story begins in verse 26. And verse 26, and we're going to take it to the end of the chapter. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. There are some great lessons that we can learn from this. Usually we hear about the plan of salvation, and we're going to get that this morning. But there are some other things that we can gain from this great lesson that we read from the Word of God. First lesson I'd like to look at this morning is to let us know that worship was important to this Ethiopian eunuch. It was very important to him. This is a man who it was said that he traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship and now he was on his way home. Now, there's some things that the scriptures doesn't tell us. There's some things that we can figure out 
uh, by the information, and there's some other things we can speculate. But when we understand that it says that he went from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's on his way home, he's going on a very long trip. We're talking about maybe 1,500 miles, maybe as much as 2,000 miles that this man traveled to get from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. And what was his purpose? To worship. Now, Willie, all you had to do was cross the street this morning, didn't you? There's a few of you just got across the railroad tracks. Some of you got to come from Gallatin or Hendersonville or near Springfield. And we come from some distances, but nothing like that. He didn't do this every week either. We know that. But he did see something about worship. We need to understand that this man was likely a descendant of those that had been taken captive a hundred years before. Uh, Israel had away from God and Babylon came and, and took them away as captives. They took many of these people and sold them away as slaves to other nations. And this man's family was likely sold along the way to the Ethiopians. And here he is, a child, a descendant of these people. No doubt along the times that it was handed down to him about his heritage. And so he knew something about his heritage. He understood that he was a Jew. And he knew enough that, that the place to go worship, if you're a Jew, is Jerusalem. And that they have the temple, they have the synagogue there. And that's where the Jewish people worship. And he had the means and he had the opportunity to go on this long trip to worship. Now, I think about the distance of this trip. This might be about like uh, you and I going to California. I've never been to California, but I imagine some of you have, and you probably went by airplane. But if you decided to go by car, it's not too difficult. You just head down five, and make a right and get on I-40 and keep going to you see a sign that says, Welcome to California. Basically, I think that's what it involves. But this man didn't have interstate, did he? He didn't have a, a car with air conditioning and all those kinds of trimmings. He was in the back of a chariot. I don't know of any chariots around here, but you and I have seen wagons, and we've seen wagons that have been pulled by horses. And Can you imagine being in a wagon, and you're traveling down an old dirt farm road, but you're going 1,500 to 2,000 miles. You're going a long, long trip and making that journey that way. And by the way, you can't stop at any exit and, and go stay at a Holiday Inn at night. And you can't stop and go at the Cracker Barrel every time you want to get something to eat. <laughs> this was a long, tedious trip that this man took, and the purpose was to go and worship God. He didn't know about the church. Now, by the end of the story, he did. But at this point, he didn't know about the church. And so he goes for this very purpose. Worship was important to him. John 4.24 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I have no doubts that this man, when he got to Jerusalem and he went to the synagogue to worship God, he was there in the spirit. He was there with his whole focus in worshiping God. He was not there because he just felt like... Uh, he ought to be there to, to make someone else happy. He was there because he wanted to be there. 
And he wanted to be engaged in the things that they did to worship God that day. He was also there in truth. He was there. He wanted to do the things that would be pleasing to God while he was there. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says for us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. He saw the importance of worship. And we need to see that same importance today. We're here this morning, and that's good. But we need to have that same uh, excitement about worship and, and, and want to be together with the brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God that we would be back here this evening at 5 o'clock to worship God. Because we're going to do the same thing tonight. We're going to sing some songs and praises to God. We're going to offer up prayers to God. You get to hear Brother Matt preach tonight. I know he's going to bring a great lesson. And he's going to encourage you and he's going to strengthen you. Why would we not want to come back? It should be a top priority of us. This man came to worship God and we see worship was important to him. We also see that he was a man that read his Bible. Now, his Bible didn't look like this. <laughs> he had a scroll. But he had a Bible with him. And no doubt, as he had traveled to Jerusalem, this may have been the, the point in time where he uh, received the scrolls. Again, there's some things not told to us. We're, we're told that uh, he was one that had, uh, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That's found in verse 27. It may have been that he had the means and the ways that he had done this before, but we're not told that. And it is possible this might have been a once-in-a-lifetime trip for him. We really don't know. It's very possible that he obtained these scrolls while he was in Jerusalem. Where else would he have received them? I doubt you could find them in Ethiopia. But he, again, he had the means and he had the ways and he was able to obtain these scrolls. And he was excited about that. And he wasn't going to wait till he got back home to Ethiopia to sit down and start reading. He was ready to read right then and there. And he was reading as he was traveling back to his homeland. Now, I don't know why, but the scripture also says that he was reading aloud. Maybe there was others with him and he wanted them to hear. That's the only thing I can really think of. But we do know that Philip heard him as here he goes riding by. Philip heard him reading. And he, again, was reading the Word of God. He was reading the Bible. He was not reading just some religious book from some scholar. And then let me put a little disclaimer right here. I'm not against religious books, okay? Don't... Don't say Brother Doug's up here preaching against that today. But we do need to understand that other books are written by man. And there are some good books that have been written by brethren that uh, can help us have an understanding of the Word of God, just as this man needed an understanding of the Word of God. And they, they, are, uh, they talk about the Scriptures and help us understand the Scriptures better. And, and they will strengthen us, for sure. But there are people out there that write things that just simply false doctrine. And even sometimes we might find some things in our brotherhood that are written that have false doctrine. So we need to be careful. We need to be sure what 
we're reading when we're reading other things, but I can tell you something, that when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading the Word of God, it is going to be correct. It's going to be right. There's no mistake about it. And so he is reading from the Word of God. And the Word of God is God's Word. It's pure and it's simple. There's no shame in reading the Word of God, by the way. Romans 1, verse 16 is where we find Paul saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Well, where do we read about the gospel of Christ? It's in the Bible, isn't it? He wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He wasn't ashamed of the Word of God that tells us about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Neither should we ever be ashamed to read the Word of God. We find in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, about Peter and John, and this is when they were preaching all around Jerusalem. And they were arrested by the Jewish council, and they were whipped, and they were threatened that they would be thrown in prison, maybe even death. But then they released them, and Acts 5, 41 says, So they departed from the presence of the council, Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to uh, suffer shame for his name. They were not ashamed of the word of God. Paul also said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We need to read the word of God. We need to be exhorted by the word of God. We need to get our doctrine from the word of God. It's the only thing that will strengthen us. And that's what the eunuch wanted to do. And that's what he did. And he was certainly strengthened by the things that he had read. We also see that the Bible traveled with him. Now, assuming once again that he just fought the, the scrolls and had received them in Jerusalem, uh, then actually they're going to be with him, aren't they? And, and again, I'm speculating here. I'm going to let you know. Sometimes I do speculate. So it, it, what I'm about to say may not be true. But I, w I would have to believe that this was a man being the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia that he went on other trips too. <clears throat> and I'd like to think that <clears throat> as he went on these other trips that those scrolls went with him. And he continued his reading. And he continued his study in the word of God. Nevertheless, that's the way it ought to be for us today. Don't you think so? I know there's, there's some of you that travel. You travel because of your work. You have to go places, and sometimes it's overnight. Sometimes it's for several nights. Isn't that right, Artie? you got to go sometimes, don't you? And you travel. And then we take vacation trips. Some of you just uh, went on nice trips during the fall break of school. And so we go on our trips. We travel a bit. Does your Bible go with you? We need to take it wherever we go. Whether it's work or whether it's just to go and have some pleasures in this life, take the Word of God with you. And by the way, <clears throat> wherever you go, let's find a place to go worship God on the, the Lord's Day. There's a place to go find people there, just like here this morning, that are worshiping that are singing to God, that are praying, that are studying God's word together, that they can be strengthened. This man from Ethiopia, 
wanted to understand the Bible. You know, we find that as Philip came to him, he asked him the question, do you understand what you're reading? And basically what the eunuch said to him was, well, how can I unless someone guide me? I need some guidance. I need some help with what I'm reading. And let's face it, we know many people today uh, that will come and tell you, well, the Bible just cannot be understood. It's just too difficult to know what it's saying. Well, I tell you, as I read through the Bible, I know that there are some parts in there that a small child can understand. Very easy to understand. And most of it is something we have to look at closely, but we can understand. But yes, there's some parts in there that are difficult. I can remember as a high school teenager, I, I'm going to do this read through the Bible in one year challenge. And so I get reading through the Bible in one year, and all of a sudden I'm in the prophets, and I'm just like this man. What on earth is this writer talking about? Who is Isaiah talking about? Who is Jeremiah talking about? What about Hosea? What about Obadiah? Who are, what are they talking about and who are they talking about? What is, what is this message that, that's supposed to help me right here? I don't understand it. And let's be truthful. We find some scriptures like that, don't we? And this man said, I don't understand. I need some guidance. I need to understand what's being said here. Well, what can we do? Well, this morning we had a Bible study, didn't we? Nine o'clock. We come together, studying from the book of Proverbs up here in this auditorium class. Some of these Proverbs might be a little difficult. I find most of them very easy to understand, but sometimes you get one and you go, exactly what does he mean there? And we study together and we work it out. Our young people are in the various classes downstairs, and we're, we're trying to gain a better understanding of what the Word of God says as we study together. We do the same thing on Wednesday night, but why stop there? We got silver threads if you're available on Friday morning if you're not working somewhere and you're available come by once a month for silver threads and study or just find someone find another brother or sister in Christ find a group that will come together at a mutual time and say you know there's some scripture that I struggle with I don't understand it let's, let's tackle it together and let's get the understanding of what the word of God is and find out what it's about. Verse 35 of our text says this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. You see, this man, he was studying from a passage in Isaiah. He was studying the same thing Brother Danny read to us this morning. And after reading it, he said, is this man talking about himself or someone else? I don't understand. Philip said, I'll help you with that. I'll give you some guidance. Because this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 53 is about who? About Jesus Christ, didn't it? And he took that opportunity to preach Jesus to him. Now, here's another thing we don't know. A couple of things. How long did they study together? It doesn't tell us, does it? We just have this one little phrase, he preached Jesus to him. Was it a half hour? Was it several hours? We really don't know. What exactly did Philip say to this man? We don't know. 
That message was not given. But we do know the results. We're going to look at that in a moment. But once again, I would presume that as Peter, or excuse me, Philip, preached Jesus to this man, as he continued with this idea, that there were some questions. There were some more questions. Now, Philip, go over that again. <laughs> now, tell me exactly about Je what did Jesus do? You know, not knowing exactly what Philip said to him, uh, maybe he told some stories of Jesus about his healing or uh, other things that Jesus had done and some of his message. There's a follow-up question. He, he actually said that? Yes, he did. He actually did that? Yes, he did. And you're telling me that he's the Son of God? Yes, I am. Well, now how can we know that? And, and then, you know, maybe he talks about how Jesus died on the cross. That's what you're reading about right there in Isaiah 53. That prophet knew that this was coming. And that's what he's telling us. And that's what he meant when he said this. And that's what he meant when he said that. Let me tell you more about Jesus. And so he preached Jesus to him. And so here's something else we can learn this morning. That this man made application to his life. Philip had to tell him about the crucifixion of Jesus. That's what Isaiah 53 is about, first of all. And that's why Jesus came to this earth to suffer and die for us. So he had to tell him about that. And somewhere along the way, he tells about how we re reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. How do we do that? We're baptized in the cross. He had to tell them about that because there was a question. Here's one of those questions. What hinders me from being baptized? That was the question that came up. Why can't I be baptized? I need to know. You know, folks, when we study the Bible with someone and we're preaching to them Jesus and we're telling them about Jesus and showing the way of Jesus, a question that they should ask at the end is... Why can't I be baptized? Should I be baptized? Can I be baptized? And if I can't, why not? What hinders me from being baptized? I believe there's an inference there that is telling us that as he's asking this question, that maybe in his mind there's a possibility that there's something that Philip hadn't told him as of yet. Philip, is there something else I need to do before I can be baptized, because if there is, I need to do that. If I understand everything correctly. But what did Philip say? He said, if you believe, you may. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you may. And that's the same, same thing today. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Now, Peter tells us a little bit more over in Acts chapter 2 that we must also repent of our sins. And perhaps that was discussed along the way. We don't know. But this man was ready to remove any hindrance. If you believe, you may. And so that's when this man said, well, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And what happened after that? They went down into the water. Philip baptized him. That came up out of the water. 
And the angel of the Lord took, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And this man went away rejoicing. He was happy. He now understands what the Bible was saying there in Isaiah 53. And once he understood what it was telling us and how that we're to respond to it, he made that response. And he was happy to go because he knew that he had done what God wanted him to do. In just a moment, we're going to offer an invitation to you to do the same thing. But before we do this morning, I want to offer a challenge. I want to challenge all of us. Make a resolution today. Let's be at all of the worship services of the Lord. If you haven't been coming on Sunday night, let's start coming on Sunday night. Let's come together and be with the brethren and worship together and share the love of the Lord together as we ought to do. Another thing I want to encourage you is, is to bring your Bibles to every service. Bring your Bibles. We need to study God's Word together. When you go fishing, you take your rod and reel, don't you? You come to study God's Word, let's bring your Bibles. And let's remember to take them back home. There's a few back there in the foyer, if I heard the announcements right. <laughs> so pick up your Bible, take it back home, then bring it again the next time that we can study God's Word together. And folks, when I say this, I know some of you got your electronic devices and you're reading. That's okay. It's got the Word of God in it. It's good. Bring the Word of God with you and study God's Word together. And parents, be sure your children are doing this too. Make sure they're bringing their Bibles to all the services. Have them... Be sure that they're bringing that Bible downstairs to the Bible study class that we can study together. Uh, sometimes I've been teaching middle school this quarter. Sometimes I'm handing out a Bible or two, and the Bibles down there are a little tattered and old and all that. Get them a nice, good new Bible that they can open it up and claim it as their own and read and study. And if they want to mark something, they can mark it and take it back home and think about it later. And, you know, by the way, we can do this too. We, we often say, you know, ask your children, what did you learn in Bible class this morning? And when I say that, yes, I'm thinking about the little four-year-olds and I'm thinking about the, the little second graders and the third graders. Ask your middle school child, what did you learn today in Bible class? We learned something exciting today. Let them share that with you. Ask your high school students, what did you learn in Bible class today? Let's keep those things in our mind. And then let's find some time during our daily lives to study God's Word together as a family. Let's get to know God's Word. Let's get an understanding of it. Because there are some parts our children may not understand. There's some parts you may not understand. We need some guidance. We need to study together and think about what the Word of God is teaching us. I hope that you'll accept this, these challenges and do these things. But have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the question. This man studied, was reading his Bible. He didn't understand. Once it was explained to him, he knew what to do. And he asked the question, what must I do? Or what hinders me from being baptized? And we find him just a few months later going down into the water with Philip be baptized in Christ. If you have that need this morning, please come. It's already leaders from our song. Just as I